You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. This is Mike, and I will be your host for this week's mini-episode. I do apologize. We just did not have time this week to record a regular episode. Um, We also were given the opportunity to be guests on the podcast of a very dear friend and family member of ours. And um, that kind of took up the the little bit of, uh, of... additional time that we had today. So hopefully this mini episode will tide you over until we are back uh, next week with another uh, full episode. And I think I, I really we have a really cool guest next week. So on this mini episode, I wanted to talk about the plants, some of the plants. And, and I'll tell you right now that what I'm going to talk about today is nowhere near exhaustive as far as uh, information. There are so many, so many around the world and um, in, in every different culture and practice, you're going to find plants associated with death. But I wanted to talk about some of the more general uh, plants, herbs, and uh, botanical spirits that we would see having strong ties to death, uh, processes of death, and even necromancy. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about this is I've had a couple of interactions this week with people coming into the store who have um, you know, been students of herbalism in some sense, and that is one of the kind of the jobs that I serve here at the shop. I'm, I'm our herbalist, and in the process of formulating things here in our apothecary, um, you know, I do work closely with some herbs that would be considered perhaps more um, painful or toxic. Yeah, um, so this is always fascinating information, and um, I'm going to talk about specific herbs and then um, go into just some basic information on uh, the, on their uses. And again, it is my hope that this will be information that will be, um, well, useful to you in your own practice. So let's dive in. So the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, a group of plants that are, are actually really good for um, almost, I want to say, like a healing and a soothing kind of um, kind of a, an effect. And um, when I'm talking about healing and soothing in the context of what really we're going into today, you know, plants associated with death, I'm talking mostly about plants that would be healing and soothing to the dead. Um, a lot of people, when they are in the process of doing spirit communication, mediumship, uh, any other kind of like necromantic kind of work, they want to use uh, herbs or uh, focus some component of that work on, um, you know, doing some, again, some some healing and some soothing kind of work for those spirits. Um, I think it's always a good idea when we are calling spirits in for whatever purpose as a component of our uh, spiritual practice to make sure that we give thanks and that if possible that we send them off in maybe a better state than the one that we, maybe we found them in. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about this. So the first plan I really want to talk about is lavender. Um, lavender is used in a variety of ways to bring peace um, to both living and dead, actually. Um, it's safe to ingest and uh, to apply to the body. So it's a nice plant to keep in your magical apothecary because it's just it's just all around just a good plant. And unless you have a particular type of allergy, most anyone is going to be able to, um, to work with and to benefit from lavender. Um, it smells good, it tastes good, and again, as far as the uh, dead are concerned, lavender is, again, very calming. Um, and, and it can be very healing to the energy. It's just got just a very soft kind of a kind of a quality and nature to it. So it's always a good one to include in uh, your work when you are again kind of focusing on those traits, those aspects of the herbs. Um, thyme. Thyme is an interesting one, and it is in some traditions. It's traditionally burned to ease the suffering of souls who have died violently. If you are familiar with 
um, or know of a particular spirit. You are trying to communicate with a spirit, say like a loved one that you wanted to connect with, again, uh, from the other side of the grave, and you know that that person maybe didn't die in the best circumstances. Time is a, a nice uh, herb to burn, and uh, the, the burning herb and the smoke actually can be given in offering to the spirit um, as you call them forth. Um, so it's, it's again, it's another good one. And um, those of you who maybe who do a bit of cooking will most likely have time available in your kitchen cabinet. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice herb and again, safe for us to, to be working with. Marigold, um, much like time, we're going to find that marigold flowers specifically were burned to remind the dead of the goodness of life. And to also remind them that they as uh, souls are immortal and that they don't need to get caught up on the details of a, a prior lifetime, that they need to continue to move forward um, even upon death or after death. The journey doesn't end, you know, and so if we are anticipating or sensing that maybe we're working with or communicating with a spirit that has a difficult time, um, you know, moving on. Um, not that that is our place to move them on. We don't have that right. They must choose that. But if we you know, believed maybe that for whatever reason they were struggling on being able to do that themselves or getting to that decision themselves, um, marigold flowers are excellent. And, and again, you just dry the flowers, you know, kind of grind them up a little bit and, and place those on a hot coal and let those burn. Um, now, I should say <laughs> that many of these herbs, when you are burning them, are not necessarily going to have um, the most pleasant scent. Uh, they shouldn't smell bad, uh, necessarily, but, uh, but these were probably not really, the majority of these herbs are probably not going to be herbs that would be, um, you know, burned for their, uh, ar aromatherapeutic properties, maybe we'll just say. Um, but the dead don't seem to be as caught up on, you know, does it smell good, perhaps, as we, you know, the living are. Um, so again, marigold, um, give that one a shot. Okay, uh, consider adding that to, to your herbal apothecary. Cedar. Uh, cedar is actually a pretty common one, um, and a few different cultures will work with different varieties of cedar. Um, we usually will burn the leaves or the cedar wood itself as an energetic offering to spirit. Um, so the the idea with cedar, is, like, like other kinds of, of plants, kind of similar to cedar, that it has uh, or carries um, an animistic spirit that is very fiery. And when we burn, when we add extra fire to that spirit, it's like, boom, like this explosion of energy. And so it can be very good for raising energy. It can be very good as an offering to spirits, particularly those spirits maybe who are having difficulty manifesting. If we wanted to say, um, help a spirit to kind of show up a bit uh, with a bit more force, you know, say maybe in the process of seance work or something like that, um, cedar is always gonna be a good option to burn. Um, cedar also can be used to banish um, what I would consider uh, parasitic or maybe even sometimes truly malevolent or malicious kinds of spirits, cedar is actually pretty good for that as well. Something about that fiery energy um, that paired with our intent to banish or to clear an area just works really, really well. So cedar is a good one to have in your apothecary for a few reasons. Um, cedar is one that I, I want to say you want to be a little careful with. Um, cedar essential oil in particular is not um, not a good one to try to, to consume or certainly to apply topically. So if you're someone who loves your essential oils um, and you, you want to try to work with cedar, 
do not put that essential oil directly on your skin or any other kind of tissues. Um, it, it is caustic. It can burn. Make sure you always use a carrier oil. So moving on, I want to talk about some herbs that are um, specifically better at increasing uh, or assisting in communication. Uh, if you are doing, say, some sort of necromantic divination work, uh, which basically is just the conjuring or the summoning of spirits to help you to find questions uh, or actually uh, answers to questions maybe that you might not be able to find in other ways. Um, you know, sometimes our vision gets a little cloudy and it's always a good idea maybe to go to the source or to reach out and speak to a spirit that maybe was, who knows, you know, they were, maybe they were there when this situation happened, right? They've got the details. Um, but in, in helping to facilitate spirit communication, um, the following are probably going to be very helpful. Uh, mullion. Mullion is typically going to be burnt or ingested um, to aid in any kind of spiritual divination work. Um, it is safe to ingest, and um, and you can apply mullion to the body if you were to say dilute it in oil, um, or uh, who knows maybe decoct the herb into an oil to actually make a concentrated mullion oil. It's it's safe for the skin. Um, in fact, mullion blended with um, a little bit of garlic and then decocted into say just like olive oil um, makes a really effective natural eardrop. If you are someone who tends to get um, ear infections, mullion and garlic oil. Um, work really, really well as a, an herbal alternative to help clear up um, earache and those kinds of things. Um, as an aside, as an herbalist, if you're ever treating earache with something like that, make sure you treat both ears. A lot of people don't realize that somewhere in the mix of all of what goes on in your head, your ear canals actually do connect. They do meet somewhere in the middle. Um, and if you're going to be treating one ear for earache, you need to make sure that you actually treat the other as well. All right, beyond mullion, we're going to talk about wormwood. Um, wormwood is, I think, a, a pretty popular witchy herb, um, you know, and there's a lot of really cool history around the use of wormwood. We, of course, we know that wormwood was, uh, and I think, believe, I believe, is still to this day in some areas of the world anyway, one of the prime ingredients to uh, absinthe, right? Good old green fairy. Uh, but wormwood, when we burn it, um, the smoke actually gives body to spirits. This is another one. Um, another herb that can be really effective in helping spirits to find their voice um, and beyond that to help spirits actually assume um, not physical form necessarily but to give them form that would be easiest for or easier for us to be able to um, basically to sense to see even with our physical eyes so wormwood is really nice for this um, I am gonna say if you burn wormwood make sure that you're doing so in a well-ventilated area. I think it's it goes, you know, beyond saying, or it's always, uh, you know, just, just good to remember that anytime we're burning something, um, you know, we always want to make sure that we're working in a well-ventilated area. So open some windows if you can possibly, if the weather is clement, you know, do these kinds of things outside so that you don't, uh, you know, basically, you know, smoke yourself out, right? Um, but again, wormwood, because... It, it can have a very smoky and a very powerful kind of a scent when burned. Um, I'm gonna recommend that if you're using this, if you're working with wormwood in this capacity, burn very small amounts at a time, um, just to kind of see like, okay, how is this working? How much smoke is, is getting kicked up here, okay? Um, 
Yeah, let's see. Moving on, let's talk about mugwort. Um, so mugwort is, is again, another really popular witchy herb. And, you know, when ingested mugwort, when we, like if we say we drink mugwort tea, um, some people actually will uh, roll mugwort into, um, say, like hand-rolled cigarettes as one of the herbs. Um, you know, but when we ingest, when we take mugwort into our bodies, it uh, does have, for some people, the ability to heighten psychic senses. And so because of this, it is one that I do want to add to this list because while it's not one that we would necessarily uh, give or utilize specifically for spirit, it is one that can certainly help us to better connect to spirits in the process of you know, any kind of practice or communication. So um, keep some mugwort handy. Um, you know, it's going to be good for you for a few other things. Um, and as is always the case, um, you know, again, when we're working with mugwort, particularly when ingesting mugwort, I'm going to recommend that you, you know, work, work with small portions, right? Small amounts, right? To begin with, to kind of see how it hits you. Okay. Um, a lot of these herbs, um, and I think where people get confused about, you know, like how much or how safe herbs may be, is um, it's always good to remember remember a few things. One, that anything that you really kind of do in excess is most likely going to cause some sort of problem. So be mindful of, of your usage. Um, beyond that, there are a lot of herbs out there that don't really have what we would consider toxic properties, but all of us are very different. We can all have very different sensitivities. And some people, unfortunately, find out that they are allergic to a particular herb too late, you know, and then they have to deal with, you know, who knows, you know, how long, you know, many minutes, hours, whatever of discomfort, right, um, before the effect of that herb or the, that allergic reaction, you know, dies down. So, um, so again, so just be very mindful of these things. Skullcap. Okay. So um, similar to mugwort, when ingested, skullcap has sedative properties. Um, skullcap is one of the herbs that I will often uh, add to formulations for people who are having difficulties with anxiety, uh, particularly the kind of anxiety that kind of keeps your brain busy while you're, you're laying in bed at night trying to sleep um, because it's sedative in nature. And um, it's one that you don't want to use too consistently. You know, I would say sedit uh, skullcap would be one that you maybe you want to use for you know, maybe a few days and then, you know, give yourself a few days without it, right? You know, and then, you know, if, if you need to, you know, maybe you can take it again. Um, but, you know, but don't don't use skullcap consistently. Um, don't ingest skullcap consistently. Um, you know, and again, it would, would make a fairly um, effective tea, I think, you know, if you were working with this in this capacity. Um, but the, the benefit of skullcap sedative properties is that it has the ability to help us to access altered states of awareness and it can facilitate for many people astral work. In the astral realm, that is um, actually one of the places where we, I think, can most easily connect and communicate with a variety of other spirits. Um, so, so again, another nice one to keep on hand, particularly for this kind of work. Dittany of Crete. Okay, um, do not eat this one. Okay, it's um, it's interesting because in particular areas of the Mediterranean, um, they will uh, use Dittany of Crete as um, almost like a seasoning, like a seasoning herb. Like they will cook with it. Um, but I, I really don't recommend that you eat this one just because it's very easy, I think, to go overboard with this one, um, to do do a little too much of this. And then and it can create some, some issues physically. Um, so use this uh, or burn this, give this and burn this as an offering. Um, much like wormwood, it's going to help uh, or give body to spirits. It helps them to kind of manifest or materialize a bit more easily. Um, and it is actually believed, this one is believed to attract death uh, and the dead. 
Um, and it's funny that because it's uh, not really a plant that would have uh, a history of being used as a poison or as a toxin, but um, traditionally, I don't know if this is still the case, maybe it is in some areas of the world, but this plant where it grows uh, naturally, it tends to grow on the uh, kind of like the, the craggy sides of cliffs, uh, cliff sides. And um, because of that, you know, over the course of the last, you know, several centuries or so, people who were trying to harvest this herb, they would have to, uh, you know, basically they'd have to try to climb cliff sides to be able to collect it. And unfortunately, many people would fall to their deaths while trying to harvest a dittany. Um, so because of that, in many cultures, it is believed to be an herb that uh, can be an omen for death, or it can be an herb that is somehow believed to uh, bring death closer to us. And so for that reason, I recommend that you you use this for any any again, kind, of, kind of spiritual work, necromantic work, just because it's it, it already has these kind of these universal associations. Um, again, don't eat it. Okay, um, it's really not safe for in ingestion. Um, and uh, yeah, really, to be on that, you're really probably not going to utilize it or work with it really in any other way, pretty much just burning that one. All right, let's see. <laughs> Moving on. All right, so let's talk about some truly baneful plants, right? Um, and baneful plants, I want to say, are almost always going to be tied to necromancy and spirit work because, of course, there's that that psychological association, right? Well, if it's poisonous, if it's baneful in this way, you know, if it could kill me, then obviously it, it has some ties to death, right? It is in itself kind of a doorway to death or out of this life, right? Uh, particularly if I eat it or inhale it. Um, but it's interesting because these plants also, many of them have um, been used historically to not only allow us to connect with death, but many of them also have very strong healing properties. Many of these herbs are, are very much the kind of the poison that heals, you know, the poison that kills, kills certainly but also the poison that heals right um and we see that phenomenon popping up a lot i think even um you know it, you know when we look at say um like poisonous snakes and reptiles right like it's become i think uh, pretty common for us to make anti-venoms and things you know and, and the process of doing that actually is to utilize the venom itself so um so it's very cool to see how we can take these things and we can use these not only in the process of death work and these kinds of things, but also um, depending on the situation, you know, as a component for healing. So let's talk about aconite, which I kind of like to consider like one of the one of the queens of the baneful herb realm. Um, aconite is uh, among the more toxic of plants and herbs, um, and it's purely poisonous in the sense that every component of the plant is going to be toxic to some extent. Um, even the pollen, um, there there have been a number of people over the years who have um, you know unknowingly wandered into you know a, a wild area where you know aconite uh, monkshood you know has has been growing pretty prolifically, and you know and it's a windy day and they inhale some of that pollen and you know and it may not be enough to you know to certainly to you know unalive them but it um, but it, it can make you extremely ill, um, you know one of the ways that uh, uh, aconite really likes to work. One of the reasons, the, the ways that aconite's poison works is that it kind of moves through the body and it kind of shuts down a lot of our internal organs. Um, you know, so it's really a, really an unpleasant way to go. Um, 
but uh, it's used to attract the dead. Um, something about its its poisonous nature and just the fact that it is just a plant that is so closely tied to death. You know, it is one that can be given an offering or added to things to to actually to attract death energy. Um, you need to be very careful when working with this. Don't touch it with your bare hands. Uh, do not ingest it or breathe any component of the plant. Certainly do not eat it. Um, and I'm actually going to recommend just to be clear, you know, although I think this would be fairly obvious, but just to be clear, I'm going to say do not burn this plant. Okay? Um, even the smoke from this plant, I, I would say, would put potentially be, you know, fairly, fairly toxic. So um, so be extremely careful. Great respect for these, these uh, poisonous plant babies. Okay. Belladonna, also known as Deadly Nightshade. Okay, and there are many uh, varieties. There are varieties of Belladonna. Um, but if we look at Atropa Belladonna, okay, Deadly Nightshade, okay, it's been used in a number of ways throughout the years. Um, and though it is poisonous, it really only kills when ingested in particularly higher quantities. You know, if you were, and I'm not saying you should try this, I am not saying you should try this, please understand me, but if you were for some reason accidentally to ingest, you know, say like a, you know, a single belladonna berry, you're, you're probably going to be fine. You know, you might get a little bit of an upset tummy, um, but you're, you're going to be fine. Um, but having said that, don't eat it. Um, yeah, uh, belladonna is used to create altered states of consciousness um, you know, that can assist in, uh, that again, assist in spirit communication. Um, you, you really, again, you want to be very careful with that. You know, don't eat it, don't eat it, don't ingest this plant. There are other ways to, uh, take belladonna into yourself. Um, and historically, one of the ways that, uh, belladonna was used actually was as eye drops. Um, but if you do a little bit of research into the historical uses of belladonna, and I, I'm definitely going to recommend that, um, you know, you're going to find that that it's an herb that has popped up in many, many different cultures throughout the years, and it has, again, a lot of uses. But it is one that can allow us to access um, altered states of consciousness, and um, yeah, and that's unfortunately all of the information I'm going to give you on that one, because if I keep going, if I give you anything more there on belladonna, I'm worried I might... Uh, be, be setting you up to fail. So um, do your research on that one for sure, because it is an amazing herbal ally. Uh, but one, again, we must be very, very respectful of. Datura. So the seeds of Datura um, contain a compound that is actually believed to be um, similar to LSD in the way that it uh, reacts with us. But again, you need to have very specialized herbal knowledge uh, and skill with formulation to be able to work effectively with Datura seed. Um, it's, again, very easy, I think, for people to uh, poison themselves because they just aren't entirely sure what it is that they're doing. Datura is one of the ingredients that I like to include in my flying ointment uh, because of the a way that it can kind of help us to... Uh, well, again, to kind of shift our perspective, uh, perceptive, or to kind of help us shift our re reality, our perception of reality a bit, um, altering our our consciousness and accessing trance states is always going to be uh, an effective way to do any kind of work with spirit because it allows us to move closer to kind of that in between, to that liminal space between life and death. Um, so Datura is going to be very good for this, and it's going to also be very good for communication with spirit. Um, if you are burning Datura specifically, and you are working within a space where some of that smoke is rising from that flame, um, 
that's that's actually you know like a pretty good invitation to have a conversation with any spirit that you would be consciously calling forth so um so it's a good one to use and the nice thing with Jatura is that it has a few different varieties and um it grows pretty much anywhere where you're going to get some some nice sunny weather so um yeah so don't be afraid to go look for it it's very pretty foxglove so much like aconite uh the foxglove plant is great for attracting the dead um, and other kinds of spirits, actually. Foxglove is also a very well-known fairy plant. If you are someone who is trying to attract uh, the energies of, you know, fairies, fey beings, these kinds of things to your, your yard, probably not your home. Probably never a good idea to invite those spirits into your home. You probably don't want them in there. Um, but if you wanted to, say, you know, make a space on your property, you know, wherever you may live, where you know it was kind of like okay this is for the fairies like foxglove is always going to be a good good one to plant um but again it's great for attracting the dead and other kinds of spirits because it's um well for a few reasons uh, much like aconite it's pretty you know so you've got a little bit of that glamour kind of effect going there right i also think the way that foxglove grows just kind of you know it's almost like lupine where it just kind of grows like vertically up so it always kind of stands above a lot of the other herbs and plants that would grow around it and um so you just you just see it you just you just you see foxglove every time uh that you know and it's very bright color um so it just it's got a lot of personality um but again it's a very good attracting and attracting different kinds of spirits um foxglove you know much like the other plants that i've talked about in the last few minutes again um you know it can be poisonous so you know please of course work with it carefully not nearly as toxic as aconite you know you can handle foxglove and not really run into too much trouble i think the only problem you're really going to have an issue uh or, or, or that you could potentially run into trouble with with foxglove is you know if you decided you want to try to eat it and you shouldn't don't eat it um you know and as always if you're going to burn it as com a component of working or offering um you know just make sure you're doing so in a well-ventilated space Moving on uh, to hellebore. Hellebore, uh, the, the latex, the pollen, and the smoke from burning hellebore um, are actually like all used to um, prepare talismanic items. Um, so if you were, say, to prepare an item, you were, you were consecrating a talisman of some sort that you were going to be using consistently to do spiritual work, death work, um, necromancy, these kinds of things, um, using hellebore as, or components of hellebore to, in a sense, kind of consecrate that item, that talisman as, you know, for, for doing that kind of work, that's actually going to be pretty common. Um, you know, and in the process of burning, um, you know, hellebore, what you would really most, most likely do or most simply do is just go ahead and just pass say you know particular tools and items through the smoke um wear gloves if working with uh fresh hellebore just as an aside because it does have um basically it can it can ir irritate the skin it can be um you know people a lot of people have a very um quick uh an allergic reaction and, and it can irritate your skin when handling the uh the fresh plant um Touching it, like, I, again, I'm just going to say use gloves when you work with this plant because just, just touching it in general is, is really going to be an issue, I think, for a lot of people. It can have some pretty, uh, people can have some pretty serious reaction to its, its more toxic components. Um, but, but again, it's, it's an excellent plant spirit and uh, particularly for, for these kinds of things. Um, it's excellent for bringing that charge of death to items that you may want to use for this kind of work. Hemlock. Um, Hemlock is similar to aconite and foxglove, and that it is always going to be a good uh, herb to use for attracting spirits of the dead. Um, 
you really, to be honest, probably won't work with it in too many other ways because it really is just much too poisonous. Um, you certainly do not want to ingest it. You do not want to try to burn it. You know, um, just, you know, I would say add it as maybe uh, an herbal component to, who knows, maybe oils, these kinds of things, things that you're not going to be putting on topically as well. Um, but anything that you would, in essence, kind of give as offering to, uh, to, to attract spirits um, and those kinds of energies. Yeah. Uh, henbane. So we burn henbane to call the dead. Um, and much like a couple of the others that we've discussed today, um, to help them materialize. Um, henbane is, again, extremely poisonous. Um, so if you're going to be working with it at all, burning it in particular, I want to recommend that you do this outdoors only and make sure that you stand well away from the smoke. Um, henbane can also be processed into a dry powder that can be used to uh, craft sigils and uh, seals that are used uh, specifically for binding. Henbane is a very good herb for binding. Um, and the way that that would work most likely is, you know, you're just going to kind of grind uh, the plant down, the components of the plant down until, you know, until you get as fine a powder as possible. And then, you know, blend that perhaps maybe with oil or some other sort of substance and then use that to basically just trace or to draw your sigils and your seals. Um, so it's, it's got, again, got a few different uses. Um, henbane, don't touch it with your bare hands. Okay. Uh, do not ingest. And I uh, certainly do not, um, don't, don't eat it, don't drink it, try not to breathe it, okay? Because again, uh, extremely, extremely poisonous. Okay, um, and last, I'm gonna talk about Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley is, um, in a lot of its stories, it is seen as a plant that is associated with loss and grief. Um, and so in any form of use, um, any way that you're using this plant, it's always going to be, be assigned to dead spirits, uh, a reminder to them of how we, the living, how we mourn them, how we miss them, you know? And so once again, if you were trying to attract a spirit, say, who knows, you know, the spirit of a, you know, a loved one, a departed loved one, and you really wanted to kind of show them like, you know, I, I miss you so much, you know, I really do. I am grieving your loss in my life. Um, Lily of the Valley is always a good herbal component to add to any kind of working. Um, again, same, same advice though, you know, um, you can handle Lily of the Valley without too much trouble, but don't eat it, you know, and, and be very careful with how you, um, interact with components of the plant other than, you know, maybe simply just handling it, you know, and as is always the case when working with any kind of toxic or baneful plant babies, um, you know, wash your hands when you're done, right? Um, just to make sure that you don't run into trouble you know the worst thing you could probably do is handle one of these plants and then maybe decide to you know like rub your eye or yeah who knows anyway um so some interesting things uh to know about plants associated with death and as i mentioned at the beginning of the mini app hopefully some of this information will be of benefit to you in your practice we will be back next week with um another regular episode um as i was saying we have a really cool guest coming up uh, we actually have some really cool guests coming up over the next few weeks. Um, really kind of excited, actually, some of the personalities that we've been able to kind of get to, to show up and, and to chat with us. So um, it's going to be good. Good stuff coming up. Um, if you like what we're doing, please, uh, you know, give us a follow, like the episode. If you don't like what we're doing, let us know. Contact us. If you have questions, please contact us um, so that we can get you answers. Um, you can contact us through the Anchor uh, platform. You can contact us on Spotify. You can, I think, send messages to us pretty much in any of the social media pages that we have up and running for the uh, podcast at this point. Um, but yeah, but let us know how we're doing and let us know what we can do maybe to um, help you a bit more if you have questions or things that you were looking to learn. Uh, that's going to be it for me for now. I just want to thank you so much for continuing to support us and we will uh, be chatting at you again next week. Bye.